I'm Elena Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. And today I have a new friend, and I hope will be a long friend, that I heard about and was so intrigued that I reached out across continents to ask Audrey Cook if she would agree to speak to me for Grandmothers on the Move. And I'm so delighted, Audrey, that you agreed. Audrey is a retired school teacher, originally from Singapore, now for many years in Australia, who cares about the environment and social justice deeply. And the horrible treatment of refugees and asylum seekers launched her into activism. And she joined a group that I've been really wanting to bring to all of you, the Grandmothers Against Detention of Refugee Children in Australia, where she's spoken with politicians and attended rallies. And then the potential impact of the Adani Carmichael mine has, as she said, terrified and angered her. And she's devoted a lot of her free time to organizing and participating in actions to stop Adani. I know you've just told me that you have two adult children and you have two lovely grandsons. Welcome to Grandmothers on the Move. Thank you, Ilana, and all your audience. I have been very passionate about the environment. And when I read about what the impact of the plan Adani mine in central Queensland, that outraged me because of the impact on the Great Barrier Reef and the environment. And I was enraged by the inaction of politicians or the government because they believe in fossil fuel. In fact, they're pushing to build more coal-fired power stations. And so I went up to Queensland originally just to have a look at where the mine was and how big it was. But when I heard that some Chinese banks were about to fund the Adani mine, I was outraged and said, no, I have to put a stop to it. And I unshamedly used my ethnicity, you know, I'm a Chinese descent, I used my ethnicity to plead to investors in China, Hong Kong, and the banks, Chinese banks, not to fund the Adani mine. So I actually printed a statement which I Google translated because I don't speak Chinese. And I brought that sign up with me and on the reverse side was the English version. So I'm glad I got that done. I locked myself to the gate with the help of about 35 supporters. We all marched on to the site at 4 a.m. after about four hours drive from our camp. So it was a long day, but I'm glad I did that. And for that effort, I got arrested. Oh, for goodness sake, I didn't know that part of the story. What happened when you got arrested? How did that unfold? Well, initially, the police arrested those who stayed behind to support me. They were put in vans and vehicles and transported to the nearest police station, which was about one and a half hours drive from the site. Then they said they will deal with 
with me then. They initially asked me to unlock myself, which I couldn't. And then they got someone to anger grind the lock from my neck. It's an implement that's sort of steel and metal. So they covered me with a heavy blanket and then you, I could see spark flying around me. Oh, I didn't get hurt. I, I was not afraid at all. I was quite calm. But one thing that enraged me was when I asked for a drink of water, one of the younger constable, police constable, walked to his vent, brought a bottle of water and put it just out of my reach and said to me, this is our water service. Wow, that's very aggressive. Yes. So once they released me, they put me in the van, drove me to the police station, fingerprinted me, took mug shots and so forth, confiscated my my signs, and then released me. A few months later, I was given a fine. So you weren't charged with obstruction or anything like that? You were just fine? Oh, no, no, no. I was charged for, uh, well, that's the way they worded it, assault and obstruction of police. I was quite cross. I said, I didn't assault any policeman, but to make it real, I might have to do something. (laughs) (laughs) The police sergeant explained to me, no, no, no. It's just how it's written. (laughs) You know, it's just the obstruction part. Right. And I was also prevented from going near any Adani mines property. And so have you been barred from that kind of activism ever since? Well, I'm from Melbourne, so it's quite a distant away. But the latest news is Adani mine wanted to start the project before Christmas. I don't think they do it before Christmas, but I'm gearing up to go up again and again put my body on the line because, Ilana, it is very important that this mine does not get going because, one, if they build the railway to the port, the increased shipping traffic will destroy the Great Barrier Reef and by building the railway, they will open up the whole area and there are nine other coal mines waiting to go, waiting for the Downey mine to build that railway. And not only that, it will increase the emission globally and we can't have that. What politicians here are saying is that, well, it wouldn't affect our Paris Agreement regarding Australia carbon emission, but that's not the point. With the mine, the 10 mines in the area, if they are allowed to build, we will be exporting carbon emission to the rest of the world. We can't have that. I mean, Mm -hmm. the climate will be affected. We are facing climate emergency and it will affect us all, not only Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And Andre, I just want to understand, I mean, there are many of us who feel passionate about the environment and about climate change. And, you know, I know that everyone cares passionately, but not everyone decides to lock on to a gate of a mine and to take the kind of action that you have. What is it that, what is it in you that, that has spurred you to devote so much of your life to this in this way? Yes. Thank you for that question. I've been asked often the same question. I have always been very unconventional. Chinese are culturally very reserved and they, you know, don't want to enter into public discourse and be an activist. But I have always been fighting for, that's my nature, I fight for social justice, uh, you know, and climate change will affect my grandchildren and future generations. 
And it is so important that I have to go out there and put my body on the line to attract attention. And because I'm a minority here, it gives a greater awareness of people. And now when I go door knocking and talking to people in the community, according to researchers too that support my views, is that about 70% of Australians here want climate action and want the mine stop. So we're gaining, slowly gaining, you know, support. So for me to do something like that is in line with my nature. And I don't know, I'm quite brave. I'm not afraid to take action when I feel that there's a need to. Certainly have the courage of your convictions. And and (laughs) so let me ask you, when you were a younger woman, did you have the same gumption? Has this changed for you at all as you get older? Oh, yes, definitely. Believe it or not, growing up, I was very shy in my culture. In that era, girls especially are preferred seen and not heard. We were not allowed to, you know, express our views. That's part of my upbringing and culture. But because Singapore was under the British rule for many years, and I was given English education, I slowly found my voice, especially after being a mother. Being a mother gave me the courage to fight for justice, to fight for anything relating to the welfare, firstly, of my family. And then slowly, as I get older, I get more brave, I guess. I found my voice. (laughs) Yeah, that's magnificent. Was there a difference when you had grandchildren? Did that have yet another iteration of how you felt about these issues and being involved in social change yourself? Yes, yes. My grandsons are only seven and five years old. And when I did some research about climate change and how we are facing climate emergency, an existential threat, And, you know, I may not see the result of my work, but I will do all I can to ensure that my grandchildren and everybody's future generations will have a safe and sustainable planet to live on. To me, that is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me a little bit too, to go back in time, how you got involved in the Grandmothers Against Detention of Refugees Children and what kind of work that was. And are you still engaged with that issue as well? Yes, yes, I'm still engaged, but not as before, because I'm spending a lot of time with the Climate Action Group here in Australia. When I found out about the plight of the refugees locked up in prison, really, on two very small islands in the Pacific, and living condition was just horrible. Children there were not called by their names, would you believe? They were called by the boat name. So if the boat is... B-A-N, they're given a serial number, a prisoner or someone in Auschwitz. They're called by that name. They're not called by their real name, Sally. Mm -hmm. So these children, born there especially, don't know any other name. They cannot respond to the name given by their parents. They respond to the boat number, which is to me is outrageous. Mm -hmm. And the living condition in a hot islands on Nauru are horrendous. By the way, no one is allowed to see them. Even journalists have to apply to the Nauru government for permission for a visa to visit, and very few do. They firstly got to pay 8000 Australian dollars for to apply for the visa, and they don't get the money back even if the visa has not been approved. So very few people have seen that. 
But the important thing is we got prisoners sending out pictures of their condition and messages through their mobile phone. So that's how we learned a lot of things about the condition there. So, so I'm outraged. Yeah. The work I have done when I was with the Grandmothers Against Detention of Refugees Children was to try to make appointments to speak with politicians, especially those in power. We stand on street corners with signs, you know, and talking to people in the community. And a few years ago, a few hundred of grandmothers went to the federal parliament and sat in and tried to, you know, make a scene. We even sang, we shall not be moved. I'm interested to hear, I've asked other grandmothers who are involved in different social justice groups that identify as grandmothers, like Grandmothers Against Gun Violence in the United States. You could have called yourself anything. There are many names that you could have chosen, but it seems that it was important to the women involved that you identified as grandmothers. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about why that matters. I think in many communities, grandmothers are respected. Some say we have got more wisdom and definitely more experience. So a lot of people look up to us. And from my experiences, police, even in the federal parliament, were reluctant to arrest us because we're grandmothers. And we actually wanted to be arrested because that would give us great publicity. Right. I don't know if you know this, but I spoke to a grandmother in her 70s in the UK who was also locking on in protest of fracking. So in a way, this is becoming a phenomenon that older women, grandmothers who are worried about the future and what their grandchildren are going to inherit and what kind of, it's, it's everyone. It's not just their own grandchildren, obviously, but that this yeah. is a huge motivator to start thinking about the future in this way. And sort of one of the themes that I try to explore in these conversations is what is it about grandmothers? They're such a force to be reckoned with. When grandmothers turn their mind to social justice issues, there's no stopping you. And so what is your take on this? I think uh, partly because our children are very busy with their careers, their lives. They don't have the opportunity, the time to go out there and protest and get involved in issues like that. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons. The other reason is, you know, we all, as grandmothers, mothers, we are protective. (laughs) You know yourself, we are very (laughs) protective of our own children firstly, and Mm -hmm. then it extends to other people. There are a lot of passionate grandfathers too, but grandmothers get a lot of attention because I believe we have a higher standing. And as I've said before, police are reluctant to deal with us in a rough way or even to arrest us because they know if a grandmother is arrested, there will be an outcry in the community. And that has been my experience, you know. Uh, I didn't expect when I locked myself up to the gate, I was only appealing to the Chinese community in China and Hong Kong. But it seemed, you know, that there were a few articles. I was just amazed, astonished by the publicity. So I think we get... Great publicity. Yeah, and it's valuable because it raises awareness and it gets the discussion going in the public domain. And do your grandchildren understand and know about what you're doing? Oh, yeah. Now, this is funny. Although they are five and seven years old, I talked to them a few visits before. They live in an island, part of Australia called Tasmania. So I have to take an airplane to see them. However, 
A few months ago, I told them about why we have to stop the Dani mine. Now, not trying to upset my daughter and my son-in-law, I didn't want to approach them directly. So what I did was I pinned Stop the Dani badge on my shirt. I have stickers all over the place. And then I waited. My older grandson, seven years old, Martin, said to me, what's Stop the Dani, nanny? <laughs> and I said, well, opportunity. Come here, my dear. So I explain it to them in simple form. I say, you know, the Great Barrier Reef, you know, the Nemo, the Clown Fish and Dory, which they are aware of. I say, if this mine is built, the Great Barrier Reef will be destroyed. And so will Nemo, Dory and all Nemo and Dory screen. They were so upset. They said to me, Nanny, you got to save Nemo and Dory. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I've got them on side. So right. every time I go over, I tell them a little bit more as they get older. That's right. my approach. It's a brilliant recruitment approach. <laughs> Question. <laughs> Who could argue with that? That's right. Well, and it's hard to understand the magnitude of what's happening. I think even for adults, it's hard to wrap our minds around the implications yes. of what's going on. So how to explain it to children in a way that doesn't alarm them to the point where they're living with fear but awaken them to the need to do something. Yeah, now slowly I'm, I'm trying to teach them about the use of plastic straws and all that. So with children, I'm very careful. We mustn't frighten them and just appeal to their sense of being right, wrong and social justice. This granny is not ashamed to put myself up and, and to approach them very carefully and explain to them in the way they understand. That makes so much sense. And so now you're planning to go back up there and continue the protest? Yes, I, I will. I have to get a new tent. I've never lived in a tent before, even when I went up to the camp. That was quite an experience. But I'm also part of the organizing group in Melbourne, Australia, of the Extinction Rebellion. The Extinction Rebellion firstly started off in the UK. A few people have done research and say, if we're going to make real changes, we got to change the way we approach things. Protest rally in the street once in a while will not make social change. So they quoted examples like Gandhi and black activists in the US, you know, how they can mobilize the population to march, to have great events, also to get arrested. Now, that's the important part. So there are now international groups starting up all over the world. It's very much decentralized. What we're trying to do is to talk to the community, whether it's farmers, unions, and try to get them on site. People sign up, you know, people who are, you don't expect to be activists, grandmothers, grandparents, and others will come out and say, well, because of this issue, we're prepared to be arrested. And so you fully expect to be arrested yet again? Yes, but I told them not before Christmas. <laughs> not before Christmas, because my children will be cross with me. There's nothing wrong with strategic arrest. That's right. <laughs> I'm interested to know, when you were a teacher, I can imagine that it would have been more difficult to take this kind of action where you were being arrested because it would have threatened your livelihood. So how does it feel now? Now at this stage in life to be engaging in this kind of activism where you're actually putting your liberty at risk and you're making a statement with it. What, yes. 
How does that work for you? I feel very fortunate that I'm healthy at 72 going 73. I'm quite healthy. I can go on marches. I can walk 7 to 10K a day on a various action with no problem. And I'm very thankful for that. And if I was younger and if I had a career, then it would be harder to get arrested and have a record that will be a no-no. So I understand the younger ones, like my children, you know, they don't want to get involved. And for me and other grandmothers, we are in a very fortunate situation. And for me, I'm also a a widow. So, you know, I have lots of time and freedom. So instead of knitting or watching a soapy, I go out and do things that benefit others. I love that so much, Audrey. (laughs) And I love you. I think you're a role model for all of us. I'm only one of the many, many grannies who've been doing fantastic work all around the globe. You know, we're all united in things. If people really listen to what grandmothers in our midst are saying and have to say, what difference do you think it would make? I think it would make a big difference. I think there will be political impact because if grandmothers are listened to, then perhaps more will voice the views put out by grandmothers and will hold politicians to account more often. Because we have the time, grandmothers have the time to research and to act on various issues. So I hope that more can be done in that regard. And I will personally do my very best. As I told my children, I will continue to do this work until I drop. And they say, Mom, we had support you, but don't get arrested again. It distresses them when you get arrested. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you can't always satisfy your children. No, it's my time to rebel and not listen to them. The tables turn in a yes. wonderful way. The That's better... a great feeling. Yeah, I bet that is. And we're all the better for it. I hope that you're successful in your determination to... Thank you uh, very much, Lana. We can keep people updated on how they can help and how they can get involved. And for listeners in Australia, because I know there are some, how can they get involved if they want to support the cause? Well, there are a lot of websites and on Facebook, they can join up or contact me and I will forward details about how they can get involved. And one important thing is they can get involved. They don't have to get arrested. Wonderful. And I know that you are active on Facebook. Also on Twitter. So I can show politicians. I often do. People better be careful to keep you on their good side, Audrey. That's all I can <laughs> say. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. What a delight and best of luck with all your important work. Thank you so much, Elena, for giving me this opportunity. Thanks for listening. I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.